Can you hear me? It's not sounding. Can you hear me? Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much, Amy and Helen. She's disappeared already. Um, that's body right there, isn't it? That's people using their amazing human gifts to really bless all of us and encourage all of us and lift us up in, um, in coming into God's presence. So that's just brilliant. Thank you for that blessing, ladies. Um, oh, there she is. Thank you, Helen, for that blessing. <laughs> okay. Um, I've forgotten to wear my badge. I don't want this in front of me. Sorry. I need it, but I'll just have it over there. Um, I've forgotten my badge this morning. Sorry, very disorganized. Um, but I'm Becky, for anyone who doesn't know. I think almost everybody knows. Um, I'm part of the team here. Uh, I'm a, a mother and a teacher. I say this every time. You must be bored with this now. Um, my hobbies are probably drinking coffee um, and eating chocolate. That's about the extent of it. Um, this term, we are looking at being the body of Christ. It comes from Ephesians 4 and lots of in Corinthians as well. Um, lots of what Paul talks about about how God's people are like the body of Christ. We are many, but we are one body. And that's what we've been looking at the whole term um, in different ways. And this morning we are looking at spiritual gifts. Um, in a way, this could possibly be a whole series, um, uh, but it's not. So we won't cover everything this morning, and I'll try not to keep you here as long as last time. I apologize. Um, but we are going to scoot through much of 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. Not all of it. We're not going to read it all um, in one go. Oh, we would be here too long. Um, but that's why you've got Bibles, so that you can have it open. You can check um, me. <laughs> check I'm not talking rubbish. Um, and uh, you can see it even if we can't read it all. Okay. Uh, brilliant. So let's, let's just pray. Father God, as we have just sung, we surrender to you this morning. Thank you for this time and this space to gather together. Thank you for the encouragement of that time of worship for um, Amy and Helen and how they've blessed us with those human gifts. And as we think about spiritual gifts this morning, I surrender these notes. I surrender myself. We surrender our own hearts, Lord, to hear from you. Would you just be the one who comes and speaks in Jesus' name? Amen. Okay. So, last time I spoke, I think a couple of weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, we were looking at the five ministries in um, Ephesians 4 um, that God gives some to be apostles, some to be pastors, some to be evangelists, some to be prophets, some to be teachers. That's five. Um, and we talked about that they're, they're called ministries for a reason because they're quite literally ways of ministering God's love um, and truth to people. Um, and we saw that some people are particularly called to specific, those specific ways of ministering because of who God made them and who he called them to be. Um, although we all need the ministering too, is what we sort of talked about, wasn't it? Whether or not we're called to be a, a pastor, we need to be pastored. Whether or not we're called to be an evangelist, we need to um, hear the gospel for ourselves. So we all need those ministries and some are called, some of us are called to distinct ones amongst them. This is different this morning. This morning we're looking at spiritual gifts, something else that God gives. So he gives those ministries. This is something else he gives that people call spiritual gifts from this passage in um, particularly 1 Corinthians 12, uh, the first few verses, 1 to 11. Um, they differ from ministries because they're specific, like the word gift kind of implies. They're specific things, um, and they're momentary, like a gift would be. I can only give it to you in one moment in time, and you can only sort of unwrap it. You can use it for a period of time, and you can look at it for longer, but it's a one, it's a sort of momentary thing. Um, 
It's not a, a lifetime calling or, or whatever. They're supernatural, and they're often the things that get noticed, so they do get talked about. Um, and you'll see when you see what some of them are in the list that we're about to read. So the key passage we're really going to focus on is 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1 to 11. So we're just going to read that, except that I forgot to actually have my Bible ready. Um, <coughs> can I read it out there? Have I made the type big enough? I'm not sure. Might just need to find it in here. Okay. Uh, I'll read it in here, and then you've got trouble. Is this is going to throw me because it's probably a slightly different version to my one in in my Bible at home. Anyway, right now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So our first um, question, we're going to look at this through a series of questions, um, which occurred to me that might be things that we might ask when given this title. So what are spiritual gifts? Well, these are the nine gifts that Paul um, listed here. Um, Firstly, he says a message of wisdom. We've probably all experienced that. Um, I hope we have. Um, That we've had a friend uh, or perhaps even someone from the front bring um, in church or another situation, bring a message of wisdom, something that is wise beyond what they perhaps might be capable of naturally, but is God's wisdom. And maybe perhaps, because God's wisdom is often topsy-turvy to the world's wisdom, it might be that that is a topsy-turvy thing, but actually turns out to be so wise in your situation. Um, That could be a message to a friend. It could be a message to a whole nation, and God's spoken in both those ways many, many times over the years. Um, Message of knowledge is the second possible gift, a second way that we see the Holy Spirit at work in the present. Um, A message of knowledge simply means um, when somebody brings, when God gives something to somebody, a message, that they couldn't possibly have known humanly. So these things are all supernatural because they are all God-given. They're all the Holy Spirit at work in us. So they're not us at work in us. They're God at work in us. So a message of knowledge is when um, somebody gets given some information by God that they couldn't possibly know, and that is for for the building up of somebody else. I'll give you a couple of examples. This one's from, one from years ago, one from more recently. So years ago, um, in a different church setting, not in St. Paul's, um, I was in a service, uh, and in that particular church, it was much more um, informal. And so it was possible, if you felt that God was saying something to you, to, to go and share it. And I did, and I felt that God gave me the words, beauty from ashes. And I thought, 
I'm not even sure I've ever heard that. I think that might be in the Bible. Where has that come from? It certainly wasn't something I'd just read that morning. I wasn't even certain it was even in the Bible. But I felt very certain that God was pressing it on my heart. So I went to the um, front and I shared that word that I felt God was saying that someone needed to hear the words beauty from ashes from God. And it turns out it actually is in Scripture, so that's good. Um, But actually, um, nothing visibly happened right there and then. And after the service, someone I'd never met before came up to see me. She was visiting for the first time. She'd never been to our church before, and actually she never came again because I'm not sure she was local. I think she was visiting for some other reason. Um, But she uh, said, basically, she had a very big trauma from her past, which I won't go into, but she knew that she had felt for a while that God was stirring things in her to to deal with that, that he was putting his finger on it. You know, I want to deal with this with you, to heal you, bring, it, bring you through it and, and bring you to a, a better place in yourself um, to recover from that, that difficult time. And um, she had been putting it off because she didn't really want to go there and open that can of worms, which we can probably all appreciate. Um, and, uh, and she'd got a book that someone had given her, that, a Christian book, that she knew was going to sort of open that can of worms and help her to start exploring that, that difficult time. And, uh, and she'd been sort of putting it off and putting it off. And she said, I've come this morning, I don't know anyone. And the title of that book is Beauty from Ashes. And so that absolutely blew her away because it told her that God knew her, knew where she was at, knew what he wanted for her and loved her and had this provision for her. And that made her <laughs> read the book, I hope, and hopefully go through that process with him. Um, but I couldn't possibly have known that. I didn't even know for sure that it was scripture. I certainly didn't know it was the title of a book. Um, but God just dropped that into my mind and my heart and impressed it on my spirit that it was something I was um, needing to share for somebody else there. It wasn't specific for me. So that's from years ago. More recently, um, I, was, uh, a group of, I was amongst a group of people that were praying for, you know, our four lovely ladies who went to Kira Farm, Caroline and the others. And um, while I was praying for them, one of the days when they were out there, I had a very specific thought um, that I felt I needed to share, which wasn't particularly in line with everything else that was going on on the little prayer WhatsApp group. And, uh, and, I, and I thought, okay, right, well, I'll put it on anyway, because I feel like it's, it's God speaking. And I it talked to God about it for a little bit, and it, you know, and it was scriptural, and it fitted and whatever, but, but it just seemed a bit random. Um, and I can't share the details of it at all, and I'm not going to, because it's very personal to the person. Um, but actually, when they came back, the person, uh, one of the four ladies came to me and said, oh my goodness, that thing you wrote that day was so pertinent, and it was pertinent in a way that was very specific that I knew nothing about um, and couldn't possibly have known. And I'm sorry that's a vague story, but for, for personal reasons, I can't share that. Um, but those are some of the ways that God works in messages of knowledge um, that can really bless people. Uh, faith is the next one listed. So we all know, don't we, that person or people that we've met, that we just get lifted up by their faith. Or we've been in a particular circumstance where their faith has helped to encourage and boost us through because we feel we ha- we're flagging. We haven't got the faith for this situation or that thing. But they really have, and they, they come alongside us. And their faith that God gives them is a blessing to us. Gifts of healing, we may or may not... No stories of this. My, my husband prayed for someone once and saw visible healing in front of his eyes of someone's ankle, which was pretty exciting. But it, 
isn't something we see every day, but it's pretty exciting when it does. Miraculous powers. I haven't parted any seas. <laughs> um, I haven't even prayed for rain to stop. Well, hmm, I've wished for rain to stop. I'm not sure I've ever prayed for rain to stop. Um, but, you know, things like that that happened in the Bible when Moses um, put his staff down and the Red Sea parted. These kind of things, miraculous um, powers, are, again, another work of the Holy Spirit. Prophecy. I think sometimes prophecy gets a bit tangled up with messages of knowledge. Um, but actually, prophecy is, is speaking God's heart and God's here and now word for a person or people or community. Um, which isn't necessarily a word of knowledge, if you sort of mean it. It doesn't necessarily mean you know something that you couldn't possibly have known, but it might be a message, and sometimes it's, it might be something to do with um, God speaking about what is to come, but it might just be him speaking about what is now and his word specific for them in that situation. Um, distinguishing between spirits, so being given the gift of being able to really discern Okay, this is not a good thing spiritually right now that's going on. And noticing that. Some people in some situations are given that ability to a greater degree than we have in the natural. To be able to kind of go, okay, that, that is not good. Um, sometimes the enemy is very subtle, isn't he? And so it's very, very helpful if we have got that discernment to see actually what's at work here isn't good. It isn't God. Or the opposite. You know, this seems weird, but actually I think God's in this. I think this is God. Um, and that's a really helpful thing. Speaking in different kinds of tongues. don't know what we feel about this. This is often a thing that people, I don't know, struggle with. Um, the gift of tongues, a heavenly language, being able to speak in words that you don't understand. There's the verse, and I meant to look it up, isn't it, that the Spirit gives us, you speak in groans and words that, uh, that the Spirit's speaking through us, but we can't express sort of thing. So sometimes when words fail us, um, we, can, we can use a spiritual language, a heavenly language. Um, that doesn't have to be as weird or wonderful as... Well, it is wonderful. It doesn't have to be as weird as that sounds. Um, it's for our good. It's for our building up. And if you, want to, um, if you want to talk more about that, please talk to your group leaders or please talk to me. I'd be very happy to talk to you about that. Um, but later on in the chapter, Paul speaks specifically about that because I guess it must have been a bit of a thing for the Corinthians um, that they were getting a bit carried away with because what he goes on to sort of really remind them is, yeah, don't forget, that's for your building up. It's no good to anyone else unless there's someone else with the last gift on the list, which is the interpretation. Because it's all very well if you're um, calling out some long sentences in, uh, in a heavenly language in a meeting, but it's no good to anyone else around you. That's building you up in your spirit because it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual conversation with God. But it's not actually helping anyone else unless somebody else is given the gift of interpretation interpretation. So that is important. And at the end, Paul says, basically, don't worry about that. You're getting all het up about that. I think even today, people still get a bit het up about that sometimes in some contexts. It's much more important, Paul says, rather desire the gift of prophecy because then you're speaking in words other people can understand and it will build them up because that is what it's all about. Just like with Ephesians 4, with the ministries, it's, never, it's not about um, doing anything clever for its own sake. It's about building up God's church. It's about edifying God's church, building Christ's body, um, bringing glory to him. We'll come back to that. I'm getting ahead of myself. So who are the spiritual gifts for? We've said, what are the spiritual gifts? 
Those are the ones that we're looking at today. Who are the spiritual gifts for? Paul is very clear. Um, where is it? Verse 7. Uh, so 12, verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now to each one. To each one. They're for all. They're for everybody. Because actually, they're the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. They're the manifestation, fancy word. They're the outworking of the fact that we have the Holy Spirit living in us. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' spirit. So it's Jesus in us coming out. That's all it basically is, these gifts. I say it's all it is, like that's a small thing. That's a massive thing. He's God. But it's, that's all it is. It is the, so therefore, it is, it is available to all of us because we all, those of us who believe and have accepted Jesus, we all have the Holy Spirit in us. Therefore, we can all see these spiritual gifts in our lives. We should expect them. We should expect them. Do we expect them? don't know whether we expect them. We should expect them because he's in us and he is amazing. Um, we should expect them individually in our lives and we should expect them amongst us in the body for us to be given them in the body to give to others, but also for others around us to have those gifts that will bless us and encourage us. Um, I'm not particularly going for any, I'm not advocating any particular style of how we should do that this morning. That is completely um, not what we're talking about. And people get hung up on, on that much more. But it's actually less important. Paul does address it later, as I said, in uh, chapter 14. But more important is that we should expect them and we should see them. Matters less the style in which that happens, whether that's between two people quietly in a corner or in, you know, out in front of everyone in the meeting context. Um, that's less important, but we should expect them to be happening. We should expect words of wisdom. We should expect words of knowledge. We should expect to see healing and prophecy in different measures and in different ways because people are different and because it is as he determines, verse 11. So it's actually up to Jesus. It's up to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, how much or when or where or how that happens or who in whom it happens, but we should expect to see it. Um, as I said before, it's worth noting that unlike the ministries, it's, it's a specific momentary thing. It's a one-off thing, although they might be given frequently or repeatedly. Um, so who, who we are in God can sometimes affect. I was thinking, you know, we look and we think, oh, but that person often gets words of wisdom or whatever. Well, actually, the gift metaphor is quite helpful here, isn't it? Because, um, yes, a person might get more often get you know, words of knowledge than some other person or something, and that other person might oft, more often pray for someone and see them healed. Um, I think in the natural sense, human, humanly, we would say they were gifted. But because this is not to our credit, this is God in us, that's not quite what's happening here. Amy is a gifted musician, but that's her natural talents that she's then naturally practiced and, and God anoints for worship. Um, Words of knowledge come from God. They are God at work in the person who brings them. So that's a different thing. But you might see that someone often gets the same or similar gifts given. Um, in the same way as I guess that you, you, know, you might often get the same presence. Um, I, I remember when I was at a previous school where I worked as a teacher, I... <laughs> Very kindly, parents often give gifts at the end of a term or, or Christmas or whatever um, to their child's teacher. And it's really kind and generous because it's, it's totally unnecessary, but it's really very kind of them. Um, but I, I did begin to notice at this particular school, I had a really good friend called Amy. And um, 
And at Christmas or at the end of the term, when, when children would bring in gifts, um, I would get sort of more often than not about oh, four or five boxes of chocolates. Lovely, love chocolates. Several candles and fluffy things. I would get like little soft toys saying, thank you, teacher, and you know, all these sort of fluffy things. Amy would get beer and wine. <laughs> and she was a really good teacher. Um, she was obviously better than me. She was getting beer and wine. No, I'm no. Um, but, but, you know, we taught the same year group. Uh, we were the, we're the same age. In some ways, we're very similar. But actually, we're very different people. And I think that was actually what was playing out in the gifts that we got. You know, I got the fluffy thing. I don't know what that says about me, that I got the fluffy things. Anyway, I got the fluffy things. She got the wine. I tried doing, like, spelling lists of Chardonnay, <laughs> Beaujolais. It, it didn't work. Um, I still got fluffy things. But I think it's because, I think it's because of, like, who, who we are, who people see we are. But... All the more so, God knows us perfectly, and he knows what gifts to give us. And he also has made us with a purpose and a design that is specific and unique to us. And therefore, it might be that we are suited, well-suited, to a particular type of gift. It doesn't mean we're never going to get this gift or that gift either. Just because we often get words of knowledge doesn't mean we're never going to see someone healed that we pray for. Do you see what I mean? But there might be a bit of a trend in it. And that's fine. That's just because of who God's made us to be. Um, but it's all as he determines anyway. So it's not, not ours to reason why. It is his um, to know the reason why. And he does. Um, he's the perfect giver, isn't he? So he always knows what the perfect gift is um, in the perfect situation. So... So why? Why do we have these gifts? As if that's maybe not obvious, I don't know. What are the spiritual gifts for? Um, once again, as with the, the five ministries, they are for the common good. They're for our, our upbuilding, aren't they? It, I think how exciting it is. I think that's kind of obvious, really, isn't it? But I think how exciting it is when someone brings that word of knowledge to you that tells you that God sees your exact situation. It's so encouraging. Or that prophecy or that healing. It's so exciting. Um, so they're for the common good. They're for the building up and encouragement of the church, for the inspiring and sparking and restoring and lighting the way for God's people to grow and glorify him. They're not for our glory. And that's so often where people have gone wrong, either in using a gift or in looking at someone else's gift and thinking it, crediting it to that person. Because it's never that person. If it's really a gift from God, it's from God. So the credit is all his. It's not the person's. And likewise, if it's given to you. The credit is not yours in any way. It's all God's. Um, and that's where, we, that's where we can go wrong. So do we need them? Is that a stupid question? That might be a stupid question, but I thought it was worth asking. Do we need them? Scandalously or controversially, I'm going to say maybe no. Maybe no. Maybe we don't need them possibly. We could trot along, we could live a life and not actually have them. Um, but why would we not want them? Why would we not want them when they have such an impact? Um, you know, we can be saved without them, we can go to heaven without them, and we can live on this earth without them. Um, but why would we not want them? Also, God knows what we need, doesn't he, better than we know ourselves. And if he says that he wants to give them, who are we to kind of go, do you know what, mm, not so much? Or quite like that one, but 
bit dodgy, that one, not sure. Um, actually, it's in the Word. It's in Scripture. They're listed as spiritual gifts from God, as manifestations of the Holy Spirit. It's part of his character. It's part of who he is. So actually, it's quite a big thing if we're going to say no or if we're going to say, mm, not sure about that one. So why would we not want them? Um, and God, as I said just before, God knows how to give good gifts. That verse in um, Matthew 7 when Jesus is speaking and says, you know, if, if, our earthly fa- if you as earthly fathers who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more does the Father in heaven, does our Father in heaven know how to give good gifts to those who are? So actually, his gifts will be perfectly good. And if these are from him, you know, why would we not want them? He is a good gift giver. Um, so how do we get them? Well, it's again, a little obvious. We ask. They're gifts. So they're given. So we can't just take them or go find them or work them up, which, again, I think sometimes people try to do with some of these things. That's never going to work. Um, but asking will work because it's God's heart to give them. So asking um, and we will receive, Matthew 7, verse 7, ask and we will receive. God loves to give us good gifts. He's not um, miserly and stingy and kind of wants to only give a, a few out. Um, so we can ask. My children have no problem with this <laughs> when it comes to Christmas or birthdays or even mostly in between. They have no problem asking me for what they need, definitely, but also what they want, just what they would like, what they would love to have. They have no problem asking me, and we are meant to come as children to our Heavenly Father, and we should have no problem asking Him. He has no problem with us asking Him. He will decide whether or not it's a good idea to give us that particular thing. That's up to Him. Same as when my child asks for, you know, a Lamborghini. I will decide whether or not I am going to fulfill that wish, um, and whether or not that is wise. He's, he's got the wisdom, but we, um, we can ask, and he loves us to. He loves us to come to him with our, with our desires for more of him. Um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Eagerly desire them, because, of course, if they're for the common good, why would we not want them? We want our friends. We want our body to be built up. We want to be built up. Eagerly desire more of the spiritual gifts so that, more people can be encouraged um, and Christ can be more glorified in the church, in our community, in our body, that we are more different from normal life because Christ is more different. Um, And then he says in uh, the same chapter in verse 12, the second part of it, he says, since you are eager, assuming that we are, to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. So again, it's just all about our motivation, isn't it, and what it's for. So if there's a gift that you desire or desire to see happening amongst us, ask God to give it. He may or may not actually give it to you, or perhaps he'll give it to someone else to bless the church with. But um, if our motives are that pure, we won't mind, will we, who has it? We won't mind who's given the gift as long as it's there amongst us to encourage us. Um, We don't want to be jealous like children at Christmas, do we? We just want to be pleased that that bit of God is evident amongst us. Um, But God is very willing to give to you too. Um, He doesn't leave anyone out. So the other important question to ask though then, assuming that we are hopefully seeing those gifts amongst us, when we do think that we see or hear one, 
either in ourselves or somebody else brings something of the, of the nature of those nine things we listed at the beginning, how do we know that they are genuine? Because that is important, isn't it? We can see from church history how people can go wrong with this. Um, uh, maybe even our own experience um, will tell us that this can also go wrong. How do we know when somebody brings a word or when someone brings a prophecy or when someone um, says they've been healed or whatever it may be, how do we know that these things are genuinely from God, that they are genuine and authentically God at work? Firstly, first check, they will look or sound or feel like Jesus. So the point prior to that that isn't written down is that we need to know what Jesus is like, don't we? So we need to start in the Bible and getting to know Jesus. Um, and once we have some idea of that, then we can check by thinking, does this look, sound, feel like Jesus? Is it the sort of thing Jesus would say? Is it the sort of thing Jesus might do? Um, is it the sort of thing that might be Jesus's heart for this person? Because if it isn't, then you're on a, you're on a loser straight away. That cannot be it because... Spiritual gifts are the manifestation of God's spirit, Jesus' spirit in us. So if it doesn't seem to fit with who Jesus is as we know him in the Bible, then it is not from Jesus. Um, therefore, check scripture, check your Bible, look in your Bible, know your Bible, spend more time knowing your Bible so that you can be sure. Um, because if it isn't from Jesus, then there's a, there's a real danger, isn't there, in getting involved because there's only one or the other. So firstly, it will look like something Jesus would say or do or whatever. It will always fit with what we know of Jesus because, um, and what we know in the Bible, because he is the Bible, because he is the Word. So it will always fit with that. That's not to say it will always be perfectly so, and I'll, I'll I'll say what I mean. The reason I use the word like, it will sound like something Jesus would said, is just the qualification because actually we don't always deliver. It's not to say that we always deliver the gift perfectly because there's the human element involved. It may still be from God, but we are still imperfect. It says in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 9, Paul says, We know in part, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. We've still only got a tiny piece of the picture, and we're still imperfect human beings. And there's just that implication that at the moment, using those gifts, there's still an element of that being imperfect until that day comes when we're in heaven with him. He's perfect, but filtered through us, sometimes that doesn't quite come out perfectly. Um, and so they may be slightly imperfectly brought or delivered or, or so on, but we can still check them against Scripture in those ways and against Jesus to know if, if they are from God. Um, Secondly, so firstly, we can check that they look and feel like something Jesus would say or do and look in Scripture. And secondly, um, they will work as they're supposed to, not like the fake AirPods that my son bought for a fraction of the price that only worked for about a month and then just stopped working altogether. Um, they will work as they are supposed to. They will do what they're supposed to do. And what they're supposed to do is work for the common good. So if a gift is brought, be it a word or a prophecy or a healing or whatever, um, one of the ways you know whether it's genuinely God is does it work for the common good or does it actually stir up trouble or does it actually hurt and wound 
And if it does those things, that's not God because they are given for the common good. And if there's not a goodness brought from that, then, then we have to question. God never gives daft gifts. I do occasionally, but God never does. He never gets it wrong. He never gives bad gifts. His gifts are always perfect and they work as they're supposed to. Um, and if we want to know the essence of what that looks like, then we look at the only chapter that we haven't yet looked at in this three-chapter chunk, and that's 13. The essence of what it looks like is love. The essence of it working for the common good is love, because God is love, and so genuine gifts from him will be entirely loving and full of love in the best, not the fluffy sense of the word. So we get to our final question, how do we use them? And this is where we're looking at that chapter. Um, so in, ver in chapter 13, it's the very famous one. You'll have sat at weddings and heard it. Um, but I will just read this chunk. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, i.e. speaking in tongues, heavenly languages, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Basically, I'm just a bad noise. If I have a gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge... And if I have a faith that can move mountains but don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. So how do we use these gifts when we've asked for them? We use them with love because that's who God is. In love, our motive is love as we bring them for the person. And to delight, love with a capital L, God. To delight the person who is love, which is our Lord, which is God. So we, we use them with love, in love, and to delight our love and nothing else. We don't use them for our glory. We don't use them to annoy someone else. <laughs> that would be possible? I don't know. Um, we just we use them for love, in love. Um, so I've done it again. I've spoken far too long. Spiritual gifts are supernatural happenings like prophecies, word of knowledge. They're given to all of us if we ask as he determines. So not necessarily in the same measure as he determines. But we should expect them. We should expect them in us and around us. Um, they're given to the church to build us up and to glorify Christ. We may or may not need them possibly, but how wonderful to have them and why would we not want them? And we just need to be careful that our motives are pure, that we come and use them with love, in love, to delight love. So that is me done. But things to discuss or ask ourselves. Um, that's too tiny, but don't worry, you've got it on a sheet. What did God pick out for us today? I, my prayer is that he will have picked out something, will have jumped out to you. And that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Um, have maybe, I don't know whether where we're all at, we'll be at a vast scale on this, whether we've ever thought about them before, maybe never, and maybe we've been given gifts many, many times and been blessed by them many, many times. Um, what do we see around us? That would be really good to think about in your groups and discuss. What do we see around us in the body of Christ that we're part of here in, in Leamington, in St. Paul's? Um, what spiritual gifts do we see? What, which ones do we not see? Do we want to talk about that? Um, which have we experienced directly and what effect did that have? And if you haven't, why do you think that is? You don't necessarily obviously need to talk about any of this. This can be your own reflection. 
um, talk to God about it. Um, what spiritual gifts would we like to see God give us, personally or locally, nationally or even worldwide in the church? What do we want to see more of? And we could pray for that in our groups, couldn't we? Um, either out loud or privately, it doesn't matter, because God hears either way. Um, I'm going to stop. I'm sorry. It's all right. I'm not, I'm not teaching again this term, so you'll get much shorter ones from now on. Um, let's just pray. Don't worry about that one. We've run out of time. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you're a God of love who knows how to give good gifts and that you give these spiritual gifts for our blessing and our encouragement and our inspiration. And you give them in love and they are always loving in their outworking and for our good. And Lord, as we think about them, guide us in your wisdom. Guide us in our hearts. Where we have desires, Lord, help us have the courage to express them um, if, no, if to no one else, certainly to you, Lord. And thank you that you, that is a prayer you love to answer. Amen. Okay, we're going to our groups now. If you haven't got a group, um, sorry, you get, you get me again. Sorry. Um, uh, but other than that, have a great time. Please collect your children about half past. Thank you.